He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is the 5 o'clock hour, and uh, this is the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, in the studio with us is uh, Craig Eaton, 10 years, the GOP chairman of uh, uh, Brooklyn. And we have Rudy Washington, first deputy mayor with Rudy Giuliani. And uh, and uh, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. And uh, my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. Tell us what a great show we have, Lydia. We have a fantastic show for everyone. We'll be speaking to Miranda Devine, John McLaughlin, Congresswoman Kat Kamek, uh, Ryan Payne. We'll be talking about energy. But first we have... Breaking news, WABC. An exclusive one-on-one interview with Fernando Mateo. He was involved in that meeting with District Attorney of Manhattan here, Alvin Bragg, regarding Jose Alba. Jose Alba is that bodega worker who was defending himself when he stabbed to death a customer who was trying to beat him up. So, Fernando Mateo, we're hearing different things. How is the DA reacting to all of this backlash? Is he going to drop the murder charges against Jose Alba, 61 years old? The guy, I mean, he got cut up himself and we see the video. He said, I don't want any confrontation. Tell us what you know. Well, we had a, a blue-collar um, conversation with, uh, with the district attorney this morning, and um, he, we basically broke it down to him in, in very simple language. Did you see the video? Did you realize that this man was trying to save his life? Uh, do you understand the... The, the agony that this man has been through. And I'll tell you, surprisingly, the district attorney is a very calm, uh, warm person. You know, he told us about when he was a kid uh, coming home from school, his mother would tell him if he ever felt fear in the streets, he can run into a bodega. Uh, he understands the, the chemistry between bodegas and the community. So we explained to him, this man didn't go to work today to kill anyone. He went to work. This, uh, this, young, this young, strong guy came in to beat him up and kill him. And all he did was defend himself. And, I, and we said, listen, there's no judges, no jury that's going to convict Jose Alba in New York City. So why waste all this time, energy, money, and torment this man? Because he's been tormented enough. He's been through enough trauma. Mayor Adams, we've got to give him kudos to him. He came out in support of Jose Alba and every hardworking New Yorker. So having explained, you know, what bodega owners go through every day with looters, with people that go in there and shoplift, take whatever they want and walk out the store at will, not getting prosecuted, getting away with murder. I mean, these are the kinds of things that we need to stop in this city. I asked him, how do you feel about bodega owners getting guns to protect themselves? Are you against it? And surprisingly, he said, no, I am not against it. If they feel that they need a gun to protect themselves, they should get a gun. So it was a very cordial, warm, intimate uh, conversation with him. And to be quite honest with you, we asked him, will you prosecute? And he says he is still investigating. And the possibilities of him dropping the charges are very strong. So he hasn't made a decision. You know, I I think that we have all uh, rushed to judgment. We have all said, you know, he's going to prosecute this man. 
because there was a high bail initially. He but, lowered but, the bail. Uh, Fernando, the, 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 the thing is, they, the, the gal stabbed uh, Louis, you know, Mr. Abba, and she got home. She went home for dinner. She's the one who started all of this. Okay, and then, yeah, and then he he is stabbed, and he goes to Rikers Island and never gets treatment for his wounds. All of those things are being investigated, John. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, my job is to really watch out for the well-being of bodega owners and their families and their communities, the communities that they serve. And that's what we're going to do. But all this is going to come out in the investigation. Once the once the charges are dropped against Alba, I, I'm sure that he's going to probably pursue charges against the woman. Fernando, uh, this is uh, Rudy Washington. We haven't talked in years. Um, maybe you could shed some light because I haven't heard what needs to be investigated. What is the DA's office confused about? The uh, video speaks for itself. I, I know. Everything's I, on video. It's a one-day investigation. He literally it, said, I don't no. want any confrontation. The New York Post also spoke to Jose Alba, and he just seems so sweet. He says yeah. he feels and, and so not, sorry. Not only that, Fernando, I read a case. Uh, it was on the West Coast. Somebody got caught with 150,000 meth pills. I don't know if that was here on the East Coast or the West Coast. And they were released with no bail. I mean, we're the no-bail city. So... Yeah, how do you charge this gentleman with a half million dollars, ask for a half million dollar bail, uh, you know, and, and send him to Rikers Island? I, I'm confused. Did you hear that side of the story? Did you hear yeah. what they're confused about? Yeah, well, Rudy, what he said to us was, you know, listen, someone was killed at the scene. Uh, we had someone was arrested. The person who killed the person was arrested and we're investigating. I said, is that exactly how it, how it goes down? And he explained to us how the system works. But you know what? I don't think that he really wanted this man behind bars. I saw the expression in his face. He, he, you could tell that he was sorry about what happened. You could tell that he regrets probably what has happened. You know, people are allowed to make mistakes. He's a human being. He makes a mistake. He can rectify that mistake, and that's what we expect for him to do. He made a mistake by arresting Mr. Alba. Now he needs to correct it by dropping the charges. So we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. We've got to give him time to, to basically investigate whatever he's investigating and let him then come to a conclusion. But I believe the ultimate conclusion will be that the charges will be dropped. And listen, we're not, gonna, we're not going to go there and trade punches with him because we're going to get nowhere by doing that. What we need to do is make sure that Jose Alba is the charges are dropped and that's what we're working for. And, uh, and ultimately that's what we're going to get. And we're going to fight for the stand, the stand your ground law. I know that Senator Borrello has submitted a, a bill uh, to Albany. We're hoping that the stand your ground bill will pass because there it's in 38 States in the United States. And guess what? People's lives are saved because no one messes with anybody. Everyone respects everybody. And that's what we need in New York, law and order. Fernando, this is Craig Eaton. Um, I mean, I commend you for coming out today and doing what you did for your people, um, for the bodega workers. But you know what? It's such a clear-cut case. I'm a lawyer. It's such a clear-cut case what happened here. And you know what? I understand what you're saying. We have to give him time. He's had enough time. He's looked at the videos. He looked at the evidence. 
This man, he, he should apologize to this man and his family, and he should remove the charges. It, enough is enough. I mean, it's so clear. What happened to the to the to Simon's girlfriend that stabbed him? She, she's walking free. She's the one that should be prosecuted. I he told us today that every day new things come come up. He's seeing new evidence every day. I'm hoping he's going to wrap this up by the end of this week. I'm hoping that he's going to really just put it all together and say, you know what, we've got no, we, we have no case here. Let's just drop this. Because as I said to him, no jury, no judge is going to convict. Why spend taxpayer dollars? Let's focus on what we're going to do. What can you do to prosecute yeah, that. those that are committing crimes? Because people think you're soft on crime. Uh, I said, Mr. Mr. Bragg, you need to prove otherwise because you're telling us that you're going to prosecute people that continuously shoplift and loot stores. Well, we want to see that. Speak about it. And, you know, he's going to do conferences with us, with our group, and hopefully we're going to get through this and have a, a better a better understanding as to who Alvin Bragg is, af- Alvin Bragg is after the Jose Alba uh, 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 case is dropped. Well, thank you so much, Fernando Mateo. Thank you so much for and keep us posted. You're welcome back anytime here on Cats at Night. Thank you very much, Washington. It's a pleasure speaking to you, John. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Bye-bye. And now we have on the line New York Post, a columnist, author of numerous books, uh, specifically her latest book, Laptop from Hell, regarding Hunter Biden, Miranda Devine. And by the way, Rudy Washington, you were saying before about the meth that happened in California. They were busted. It also happened right here in New York City at South Street Seaport. Two guys busted lugging a suitcase with 40 pounds of meth. And because of the meth, because of the bail reform, they were simply let go. Miranda Devine, we were just talking to Fernando Mateo about Jose Alba and just how our justice system seems to be completely out of whack. Yes, hello, everybody. It it totally is upside down, and that's two perfect cases there. You have Jose Alvarez, who's a hard-working bodega worker, and um, he's just defending his life, and he's stabbed in the in, in, in the process, and uh, he ends up being charged charged with murder and thrown in jail. And yet, these Mexican cartel smugglers are caught with 1.2 million dollars worth of meth, and they get let out because Alvin Bragg just has his moral compass on backwards. I think he's completely full of it now. There's a new poll out that's pretty disturbing and you wrote an exclusive article on it majority of democrats young people want to abolish the supreme court uh judge weinberg you also mentioned in rudy washington that there is some sort of bounty if people tip off this leftist group where where the supreme court judges are 50 bucks and 200 bucks i mean rudy we were talking about it before at this point they're they're going one of them is going to get killed but the bounty is they want to find Anyone that sees them on the street, sees them over the weekend, give them the information at that particular point. Right. So these Supreme Court justices are now not safe anywhere. Right. Any any street, they're not safe. Well, you know, what, what, I'm very troubled, what I'm very troubled about is uh, in Miranda's column is the fact that there is no understanding of what judges do. There's no understanding what the Supreme Court of the United States does. They want to have a direct election for justices of the Supreme Court. You want to put politics into the judiciary. How crazy is that? And they also want the idea of having the United Nations supersede 
the laws of the United States and determined by the Supreme Court of the United States, these people have no idea about the constitutional system that they live in. And that's very frightening, Miranda. It, it really is. I was uh, shocked by the poll. And, you know, it's, it's done by Rasmussen. It's uh, commissioned by the Heartland Institute. And basically what you find is that it's Democratic voters and young people. Uh, the, they believe that the Supreme Court is so racist and so sexist that it has to be abolished. And as you said, the idea that they are, you know, not a, not very opposed to is that you have the United Nations overrule Supreme Court decisions that the United Nations members deem might not be, uh, you know, upholding human rights in their view. You're talking about countries like Syria. Uh, you're talking about despots making decisions to overrule American sovereignty. I mean, that is never going to happen. But the fact that there is even one American who wants that to happen, uh, let alone 48% of young people aged 19 to 39, and that, that is really insane. Miranda well, Devine, we have to talk about Hunter Biden. I mean, except for us and the New York Post, is anybody even talking about it? I mean, those videos, the new ones that were just leaked, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, they get worse. There's videos of him with prostitutes. And you you have to talk about this because he is the son of the president. How do you go from being a, a crackhead, I mean, prostitutes, waving guns and measuring drugs, and now he's literally greeting people at the White House and nobody's talking about it except for, for you, the New York Post, and for us here at WABC. When, when you look at the favorable t- treatment that the Chinese government has been getting from this administration, um, one has to question. I mean, even with the solar panels where, you know, they, they're dropping tariffs, uh, you know, to their manufacturers, which will put our manufacturers out of business. I You know, I... I and selling to them a million barrels of oil from our strategic reserve. oil reserve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, you're so right, John. It's really about uh, China. I mean, obviously, Hunter Biden is a troubled soul and, uh, you know, had terrible problems with crack and alcohol and porn addiction and prostitutes and all the rest of it. Really debauched lifestyle, but that's his business. The reason it's our business is because Joe Biden was vice president at the time that Hunter Biden was and his and Joe's brother Jim Biden were getting tens of millions of dollars from countries that Joe was in charge of, uh, you know, China and um, Ukraine, Russia. Uh, and now China is our number one adversary. That became crystal clear after they released COVID-19 on the world. And, uh, and, and yet um, Joe Biden is unwinding all the Trump-era measures to try and combat China's new aggression, their theft of our intellectual property, their spying, um, you know, just their, 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 they mean badly for America. And so the Trump administration was trying to reel that back, and Joe Biden has unwound that. And as you just said, I mean, he diverted at least a million barrels of oil from our strategic petroleum reserve to China, and that's meant to be just for emergencies. Uh, All it does is help China. He disbanded for some unknown reason this really important national security program set up by the Trump administration uh, called the China Initiative, and that was supposed to stop 
China's economic espionage at universities, uh, you know, de-reversed uh, restrictions against TikTok, Huawei. Uh, he's he's not pressed China on the origins of COVID-19. You mentioned, John, the tariffs on the Chinese solar panels. He's now talking about lifting all the Trump tariffs on Chinese imports. That's terrible for American manufacturing and American business. Uh, and there's no discernible benefit to America. It's only a benefit to China. And we just had yesterday, mm. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, goes over to Bali, meets with the Chinese minister. And he, uh, according to reports, he spent five hours being berated for America's wrongdoing, and he put up with it instead of walking out. This is the second time. The second time he did that, right. Well, why only five hours? I mean, it should be days they should be berating him for what they're doing to this country. You know, but for the young people, <laughs> the uh, Chinese. <laughs> and I'm sure you saw this uh, yesterday or today, for the young people to think that's such a great system, then they need to look at what's happening to the banking and what China's doing to their people over there and not letting them take their money out the bank, and they had riots. Um, and, and this passport, COVID passport, that yeah. you you know you get a, a red on your phone if you're positive, well, what they did to everybody was turn their phones red so that they could lock them up. I mean... So, so you can't move. Exactly. exactly. It's a horrible system. But, but you know what, Miranda, this is Craig Eaton. I just have one question. As a lawyer, I know it's illegal to sell access to the White House. Why is there no major investigation? Why is there no impaneling of a grand jury? Why is the Justice Department not looking into any of the evidence that they have against the president and his son? I mean, there's evidence there. Well, I I think uh, you would know better than I do, but uh, I think, and from what I'm told, uh, any evidence like that is basically siphoned through to the um, U.S. attorney in Delaware. There's been a grand jury there uh, looking into Hunter Biden's, um, you know, alleged money laundering and uh, various other aspects of his his overseas business dealings, uh, including tax evasion and FARA violations. So, uh, you know, the, the laptop, which the FBI had in December 2019, um, you know, that's uh, now part of that investigation. We know that the grand jury has been asking witnesses. They had a whole lot of witnesses in Hunter's life, from his business partners to ex-lovers. Um, and they've, they've uh, been asking the question, uh, who is the big guy? Now, we know the big guy is Joe Biden, and we know that from the laptop. We also know it from Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter's ex-business partner. And uh, so if the grand jury is asking those questions that lead to Joe Biden, that's a big story, and that would take a lot of courage. I'm not sure that that is what's going to happen, but I think it's a, a heartening sign that they're at least showing some curiosity. Um, so I think, you know, for instance, if the Southern District of New York had had some sort of evidence come to them, uh, I'm told that they would uh, and have done uh, basically alert the U.S. Um, yeah, but, but you know, Miranda, the thing is, Delaware. I agree with you, but Delaware is not the right venue to be looking at a case against Joe Biden and his son. Well, the FBI has been politicized. Yeah, the, and but they I'm saying for the Delaware Biden is not the right venue. It should be somewhere else, like the Southern yeah. District of yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's just the fact that that, you know, four years ago, that uh, inquiry started in Delaware. And so once it started, you know, you're not going to just replicate what they're doing. At least they'll wait until that's over. And, you know, I'm surprised we were expecting that they're... Oh, 
I think we lost it. Oh. oh, we're having issues. Well, thank you so much, Miranda Devine. We do have to go to break, but before we go to break. Breaking news, WABC. Twitter is officially suing Elon Musk, calling his attempts to back out of the deal of buying Twitter a model of hypocrisy and a model of bad faith. We will go to break, talk about this, as well as we'll be speaking to John McLaughlin, Congresswoman Kat Kamek, and Ryan Payne. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line for us, we have John McLaughlin of McLaughlin and Associates, the pollster of all pollsters. John John McLaughlin, uh, I wanted to talk to you also about this recent poll that you put out. The trust in the media has hit historic lows. 11% of Americans polled believe in the media as far as TV, right, mainstream. Were you surprised by these results? No. And, uh, uh, you know, unless they, the 11 percent listen to ABC radio. So, exactly. you know, that's it's the rest of them. I mean, when you look at it, when you think about what they cover, what they don't cover, like I was listening to you talk about, uh, uh, the, you know, what's going on with the U.S. attorney in Delaware. I mean, on Election Day in 2020, we did a post-election survey as soon as people voted. We got we got, you know, how they voted and why they voted. And among Biden voters, 36 percent of the voters were unaware of the scandal on Hunter Biden. And we did that for the Media Research Center. Thirty six percent of all Biden voters didn't know about Hunter Biden's laptop, the scandal, the payoffs, the corruption. And they voted for Biden. And when they were told about it after the fact, uh, you had 13 percent said it would, they would have changed their vote, where a lot of them wouldn't have voted for Biden or gone to the Green Party or something else. That would have changed the whole election. Trump would have won. Well, well, John, this is Rudy Washington. I would like to ask A.G. Barr, why did he keep that such a secret? He, they had the uh, laptop for over a year prior to the election. Well, exactly. And, you know, the, to the fact that, by the way, the president called me up the night before uh, the, the uh, night before he was in the second debate. And he says, some people are telling him not to make corruption an issue. And I said, that's interesting because I got a poll back from your campaign today where if they're voting for Donald Trump, the number one thing they like least about Joe Biden was corruption. Democrats would say his age. By the way, it's still going on. This New York Times poll that's come out that they're saying people, yeah. they finally caught up. It's the wrong direction that uh, the country's, you know, we had at the end of June, we had 71 percent of the voters saying wrong track. And we had uh, only 23 percent would vote for Biden again in a Democrat primary. That's worse than Lyndon Johnson. But 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 in the meantime, uh, you know what they what they were saying. They gave choices about what why they wouldn't vote for Biden again, and they said job performance, not doing a good job, prefers someone new, not progressive enough, ability to win the general election, mental acuity, views on the domestic issues. None. They didn't have corruption as a choice. What about How destroying the country? Have... What about destroying the country, John? This is right. Craig Eaton. But I mean, to me, he's destroying yeah. this country. But they're saying it's age. So Democrats, the liberals want to say he's too old right now. They don't want to say he's destroying the country. Right. They don't want to say his corruption is destroying the country because you can look it up in the media reports. Tell me what Russian oligarchs are not uh, sanctioned. The ones that had Hunter Biden on their payroll. And and in the meantime, when you look at the what he could do to lower inflation, John's been saying this 
from months and weeks, all President Biden has to do is increase oil and gas production and prices will go down in the United States and around the world. And he refuses to do so. Why? Because Putin's financing his war on, you know, uh, people paying rubles for Russian oil. And Donald Trump had it. This is why people people are saying in their polls, like in the end of June, they're, they're telling us in focus groups and stuff, you know, I don't listen to his Twitters. I don't watch his rallies. I don't like him personally, but I'd vote for the guy again because, uh, you know, you have all these voters where they said 50 in the end of June, 57 percent disapprove of the job that Biden's doing. Now the New York Times has come around to it. Seventy one percent say the country's on the wrong track. Eighty percent say uh, the economy is getting worse, not better. Fifty six percent say we're in recession and 42 percent of all voters in the United States say they are struggling to make ends meet, to have basic necessities. Well, John, um, this is Rudy again. Um, the paper of record for the Democrats is the New York Times, and they basically told the party it's free to go after him, you know, that, you know, uh, they're not supporting him. They all but said that. Um, yeah. So, you know, you see Gavin Newsom and, and, and the rest of these guys out there. But the big question I would like to hear your comments on is since the Democrats have been so big on virtual signaling and, you know, uh, you got to have one of this and one of that, you got to have a transvestite, you got to have this, how do they get rid of uh, the vice president without being accused of being racist? The very thing that they, they go around dividing the country on. They don't, because there was a rumor that when the Supreme Court job opened up, they were going to give it to gonna- her, right. They were going to give it to her, and Hillary Clinton was going to move in exactly. as vice president. Yeah, I told and- everybody. I told everybody yeah. around the studio that, that I saw that as a plan on their part. Um, yeah. and, and, and this is horrible. What they're doing to Supreme Court justices, is that to fulfill that plan? I don't know. You know, but, you know, I hate to think of somebody getting hurt. And if uh, anybody picked it up today, the congresswoman out of Seattle, I, her name escapes me, Jay Powell, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Jay Powell. Yeah. I had somebody show up at her house screaming and yelling with a gun. I mean, so you play this game, it can blow up either way. It does not have to be a Supreme Court justice. It could be a congressperson or whatever. They need to stop doing this. And, and, and I don't understand the AG, why he does not drop the hammer on these people uh, doing this stuff. Um, John McLaughlin, uh, Seattle, you just mentioned it, Rudy Washington. Crime is up 164% there. We saw that video in San Francisco of kids trying to get to to the bus stop. It's it's their school bus, and they have to go through all these drug addicts, open drug market. Now they just brought in a San Francisco district attorney, uh, Brooke Engel, who said she is going to actually enforce the law. Based on the polling, have you seen people actually waking up and saying, maybe I shouldn't vote Democrat because we're seeing all of these liberal cities a wash in red, meaning blood. I mean, how much more, how many more people have to die and businesses have to fold because of crimes, et cetera, et cetera, before people wake up and realize it is the officials, the politicians that are orchestrating all of this to happen? Well, you're seeing it 
you're forget the polls. You're seeing it at the at the ballot box. Because look at the recall in San Francisco against Chesa Bodine. Look at Nassau County last year when they elected Ann Donnelly DA in a landslide against Tom Todd Kaminsky, who helped write the uh, cashless bail law. And look at Lee Zeldin against Kathy Hochul right now. You know, Kathy Hochul was hoping Lee didn't come through this primary. And and I was on your show right before the primary, and we said he was going to win by 21 points. He won by 21 points, and it was decisive. And now she's got a problem because Lee Zeldin's out there saying we got to fire Alvin Bragg today. And he's been saying it for months that day one he's going to fire, fire the guy. And now you have this bodega owner, the poor guy in self-defense. Um, you know, was in a terrible, unfortunate, unfortunate situation. He had decided it's me or this other person who's attacking me. And what does Alvin Bragg do? He puts the, the bodega guy in Rikers Island who's defending himself, and the girlfriend that knifed him is out free. I mean, Lee Zeldin against Kathy Hochul right now, we're going to send a message in November just like they did in Nassau last year, just like the voters in San Francisco did. And, you know, unless changes are made uh, – to what's going on in New York State and these other these other uh, uh, these other states that have these foolish policies, the voters are going to react, and you know that's why they're doing stupid things. The Democrats like this kangaroo court against uh, Donald Trump in Washington. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But uh, but people want solutions. They want the price of gas to go down. They want crime to go down. They want the border to be safe. They want inflation to go down. So uh, the voters, you know what. John? John, we got a break John, now. Before, before we uh, we go off, we're going to have to take a break. I want to give you again condolences on your dad. It's very, very oh. hard to lose a dad at uh, no matter what the age is, and uh, and uh, we, all of us uh, feel for you and and God bless well, him and we'll God bless you too. Thank you. You my you know you and Margot Margot you know sent me condolences and and. You know, your friend, our friend Pete King came to the, the funeral. So uh, dad led a great life. And now we've got to, you know, take care of people here in New York so that we, you know, so that it's safe and secure and that kind of New York that he loved, that you loved, that we all loved growing up um, gets restored. So, uh, you know, thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it. Losing is not an option here, like Lee says. Well, no. thank you so much, uh, John <laughs> McLaughlin. Thank you so much. And now when we come back, we'll be speaking with Congresswoman Kat Kamick. She's going to talk to us about the border and what's going on there. Remember, she was the one who first alerted us about the baby formula that we were seeing at the migrant centers, but they were bare shelves here. We'll also be speaking with Ryan Payne, talking more about energy. Keep it right here. Cats at night. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now we have on the line for us Congresswoman Kat Kamick of Florida. She is serving as, on the third uh, in the third congressional district there in Central Florida. Congresswoman, you always tell it like it is. We love having you on. The last time we spoke, you had just come from the border and you were show you literally brought the uh, bracelets that the migrants have to wear. Now President Biden is meeting up with the Mexican president because the border crisis is spiraling out of control, only getting worse. Do you see anything getting better? What do you know? Well, it's good to be back with you guys and always a pleasure. And as far as your question, is it getting better? No, it's getting worse. And 
I, I think everyone has seen here recently in the last few days that Texas Governor Abbott, he authorized the Texas National Guard to return illegal immigrants to the border. And people were very encouraged by that. I certainly was. And then I started doing my homework and getting feedback from our Texas DPS agents and uh, Border Patrol, and they gave me the skinny, which really comes down to this. Texas DPS, which is the Department of Public Safety, they are now picking illegals up in the fields, wherever they find them, uh, anywhere along the border. And because they don't have the ability to house them, uh, they take them back to the border where they basically hop out of the Texas DPS bus and they get into a Customs and Border Patrol agent bus. And then they get processed and then released into the country. So, in effect, all that has happened is that an additional step has been added into the process by which the cartels make an obscene amount of money, upwards of a billion with a B a month. And these illegals cross over knowing full well that they will be able to use arrest warrant paperwork for proof of ID or no ID whatsoever. They're given a cell phone and a five-year court date. That's it. And they're coming to a town near you. And there's no vetting of these folks. It's it's a joke. They're not running the DNA test. And of course, as you hit on, you know, the the bracelets that these illegals are are meant to wear that the cartels put on these people like cattle, showing the number of that day of how many they are in that particular cartel or that group. Then the color, which uh, says, you know, this is the section in the track that they're going to go and how much they've paid, which is minimum six grand a head. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And we see what the Democrats are doing and trying to blow up the filibuster, which if the filibuster in the Senate goes, that means that non-citizens will have the ability to vote. And we have seen close to three million illegals cross the border since Joe Biden took office. So it's a disaster. It's a mess. And we've got to take the House back if we're going to get some sanity back. Well, Congresswoman, this is Rudy Washington. I, I, I tell you, um, you have the U.N. talking about a, a global food shortage. Um, yes. You see uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, giving health care to the illegal citizens, uh, to illegal immigrants, and at the same time have an explosion of homelessness on the streets of California in their major cities. Uh, none of this makes any mm-hmm. sense to me. But I think it's naive on anybody's part to believe for one second that terrorists are not crossing the border. You know, they surge one area and cause the Border Patrol and everybody to go to that one area. And then they go in the area that's not protected and the bad guys come in. So to believe that Iran and the rest of these people have not sneaked in some of their deadly enemies, um, I think is naive on anybody's part. And that's what worries me that this is going to come back to haunt America in a a very bad way. It absolutely will. I can tell you that to date, 50, 50, 5-0 individuals on the international terrorist watch list have been apprehended at the southwest border this year alone. Now, keep in mind that doesn't account for the gotaways, and the gotaways are the people who aren't turning themselves into Border Patrol, they are actively seeking to evade and avoid detection and apprehension. Right, and they see them on video, but there's nothing they can do about it, right? They're able to get that count. And when you look at the numbers that have come over, we have 151 different nationalities coming through the border. This is not just 
uh, Hispanics. This is this is a global invasion that is happening at our southwest border. And to your point, I think that years from now, maybe sooner, God forbid, there will be a massive terrorist incident that happens on our soil, and it will be tied back to the fact that that terrorist was able to get into our country through an open border that was allowed by Joe Biden and his associates. Well, Congresswoman Kat Kamek, we already we're seeing it across the country in California and even here in New York City. They they uh, arrested these two guys and let them go. And they had 40 pounds of meth on them. Uh, Where did they come from? Clearly, they came right across the border. Craig Eaton. I was going to say the 50 people came over. They will mobilize, put together armies of people here in the United States. And, And you were right, Congresswoman. In the future, this is just ripe for another terrorist event. Yeah, I I don't know if you remember when Akhvedemajad came to New York, I think Columbia, to speak. uh, And at the same time, he said, you know, if we ever did anything, he would turn loose his people that he already have here in the country. I mean, he said it. I mean, and that was 15 years ago. Uh, So so now what we have is this flow, this constant flow. And like I said, that's what really worries me. You know, they don't know who's coming into the country. They don't, they don't know care. They, they don't even care. No, they don't care. You know, and they don't even care if they kill thousands of Americans. I mean, I was 30 seconds uh, at 9-11. You would not be talking to me today. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I had an up-close personal experience, you know, and yeah. I worry about it now. Well, and that's the thing that I think every American needs to recognize, that every town in America is a border town. And you think about the fact that there are stretches along the southwest border where there's 230 miles of unpatrolled border where people are just coming and going as they please. And this is not because we're anti-immigrant. That couldn't be further from the truth. Our nation is built on this incredible melting pot, this incredible experiment in freedom and self-governance built by immigrants. But you have to come here the right way. And you have to really understand that you do not have a sovereign nation if you do not have borders. And I I just, I really am scared for what is to come in the future if we do not get our hands on on really tightening up the border security, giving the resources and the policies that our agents President Trump had it right. Secure our borders. He had it right. You know, and, and, and we, the Republicans, have surrendered language. I mean, this notion that the system is broken. No, the system is not broken. You choose not to enforce it. That's what the Democrats, and they control the language, and then we allow it. Running around talking about it's a broken system. No, it's not broken. We take in 2 million people I agree with you. The system's not broken. The country's broken right now. That's the problem that we have. And we have a president who is not only aiding and abetting, he's willfully allowing this to happen. I mean, this is just so outrageous and out of control that you just can't help but wonder. And you you think, is he compromised? Congresswoman Kat Kamek, I mean— all of this, it just does not make any sense. Every move the president makes, someone else benefits, usually our adversaries, and Americans lose. Couldn't have said it better. It, yeah. That's exactly it. And, you know, there was a meeting today with uh, Biden and the Mexican president. I'm getting my hands on the transcript to review exactly what happened in, in that conversation. But something that no one really is talking about right now is the fact that we don't have a solid or reliable foreign policy uh, strategy with regard to our, our southern neighbor, Mexico. And this border crisis is not good for either one of our nations. 
And so people need to really wake up and recognize the fact that the cartels control upwards of 40 percent of Mexico. Can you imagine if we said, oh, well, you know, ISIS controls 40 percent of the Middle East or uh, Antifa uh, controls 40 percent of the United States? That's ludicrous. The cartels control 40 percent of Mexico and people don't see that as a problem. We've got real issues, and and it extends, I think, beyond the border. But the border is one of those things that if we don't come together as Americans, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as Americans, we will be forever broken. Congresswoman, we didn't even touch about the 53 migrants that were found dead, suffocated, a horrific death in the back of that trailer. There was there's no talk about it. And I'm watching now the horror unfold of the Uvalde school massacre where 23 people died at the hands of that psychopath. A video was just released, which we as a nation, as a world, we were rightfully outraged. But where is the outrage for those 53 people that also died because the Biden administration refuses to enforce our immigration laws, refuses to have checks and balances, refuses to allow the cartels to continue to benefit because that's who brought them in. And I believe that the president has blood on his hands. Fifty three lives. They their lives matter, too. Well, and that's the thing that the left conveniently ignores. Right. It's. It's only a crisis and it's only terrible when there's a Republican in office. Um, They don't show up to the border. I have yet to see AOC standing in a uh, parking lot crying at a chain link fence pointing towards nothing. She doesn't care. They don't they don't give a damn about these people. And I have been down there multiple times and I have talked to these kids who have been abused. My very first trip to the border, one of the agents pulled me over to the side and said, you should go speak to that that young girl over there. She was nine years old. I go over, I ask her, you know, I'm asking her name. She couldn't even tell me her name. And when she started to really try to talk, her vocal cords were so broken, I couldn't understand her. And finally, they pulled me back and they say, she can't speak because her vocal cords gave out from screaming so loud because she was being gang raped by the cartels. And we found her. This is what those monsters do to these kids. They're innocent pawns and all this, and people are losing their lives every single day. Women and children, young kids are being abused, sexually assaulted. It is vicious and horrific. Where are all the human rights groups talking about this? They're not because it flies in the face of the political agenda of what the left is trying to do. That is why I do not call Biden the commander in chief. He is the trafficker in chief because he is helping the cartels complete the trafficking circle. And it is a shameful, shameful fact, but it is a fact nonetheless. Trader, trafficker in chief. Thank you so much, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Thank you for all you do and speaking the truth. Mm, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Now, when we come back, we'll be speaking with Ryan Payne. He's a president and chief investment officer of Payne Capital Management. We'll talk about oil prices, inflation and crime here in New York City. Keep it right here. Cats at night. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show in studio. Of course, we have John Katsimatidis, Rudy Washington, Craig Eaton. And now on the line with us, we have Ryan Payne, President and Chief Investment Officer of Payne Capital Management. Ryan, tell us what's the latest about uh, energy, the price of crude oil starting to soften up. What is behind it? And is this good news for everyone? I mean, this is very good news. And I have to give props to John. Uh, Two weeks ago, we were on Mornings with Marie on Fox Business. 
And John said when oil's over 100, he said, oil's going down. I don't know if I'm sure if I believed him at the time, but uh, oil's plummeted. You're down to $95 a barrel. And, you know, when you start thinking about the American consumer uh, right now, I mean, oil, uh, going to the gas pump is probably been one of the most painful places to go, no pun intended. My last name is Payne. Um, so I think that kind of relief is what we want to see. Inflation's been the biggest problem. And now commodity prices are starting to come down, which means we could see peak inflation finally here, could start to ease. And that's just great for the American consumer. Ryan, you're exactly right. A couple of weeks ago, about 10 days ago, uh, I said that we had reached peak oil prices and it's headed south. And that inflation will definitely... As it heads south, inflation will slow up. It'll take a little bit longer to slow up uh, with food prices because they were still raveling up. But as the, uh, as, as the oil prices come down, food prices go down. And uh, the only thing that can hurt our country is if Jay Powell raises the interest rates and it'll, it'll hurt the rest of our, the real estate industry and the rest of the industries in our country, and that could hurt it. What say you? I think you're 100% right, and I actually, believe it or not, no shocking, I actually have some confidence in the Fed. Now, now I shouldn't, because they were completely wrong about inflation. They said it was transitory, and it clearly wasn't. But I do think they will pivot here. You know, I think they're, they're talking tough. You know, they've raised rates a couple times now. They're going to do another 75 basis points coming this month. That's probably, you know, it's basically baked in. But I think if we see inflation come down here, which I think we will, John, I think you're dead right. You're already seeing wheat prices have come down. Copper, which is a good global indicator of global activity, that's come down a lot. I think the, pet, the Fed will pivot, and I think the Treasury market's telling you that, right? If you look at the 10-year Treasury now, it's already under 3%. It went all the way up to 3.6%. So I think the Fed here will give us – I know it's shocking, but I think they could give us that soft landing that everyone's very skeptical about right now. So you, you don't think there's still five or four rate hikes left in the year? I think September we could see a pause. I know I, I might not be in the most popular camp with that prediction, but, you know, look, if you think about the Fed in general, they've been very dovish. They've been behind the eight ball. But I suspect here if things do start to cool off a little bit, I think they won't raise rates. I so, could be wrong. I'd be in the wrong camp here, but I think that's actually what's going to happen. So you think the drop in the oil price is more about demand, mm-hmm. about people really not being able to drop $100 to fill their car up and – Maybe uh, they're leaving them parked. Hey, what do they say? Higher prices cures higher prices. So I, I think at some point here, right, you get to a point where prices get too crazy. People have to be smarter about where they're spending their money. Um, we have a strong consumer. So I think if you know some of the things like the gas pump and food prices can come down a little bit, we could have a strong consumer all the way through the end of the year. But if they raise the rates any higher, I mean, we saw the interest rate. It didn't even go that much higher. And the housing market, it, it's like folding. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, flat. Yeah. The housing market it's, is flat right now. What do you think about the mortgage rates? What's going to happen? Because it seems like they've leveled off now and maybe dropped a little bit in the last few weeks. They have. They have. And yeah. I think that's a big deal as well, right? Because you have this whole cohort, right? Millennials are like 70 million plus people. It's the largest population in the U.S. They all were a little late starting families, but they're starting families now. They're outside of their family's basement. You know, starting their own families, um, they all want homes. So I think demand is there, and I think if you know rates can cool off a little bit, prices can come down a little bit. That's not a bad thing, right? You want housing to be affordable, but it's not like 2009 when the economy was broken, right? We had all this oversupply of homes, and nobody wanted to buy them. Right now, we have a whole generation. It's kind of like the baby boomers in the 80s when they were starting families. You get the same thing with millennials, which I'd argue is like a huge long-term tailwind for the economy. 
Sorry for the optimism today. You know, Ryan, this is Craig Eaton. I do a lot of real estate transactional work here in, in the city. And and the, the market was so hot for so many years. And about two, three months ago when the rates started shooting up, people were running to, to buy before the rates went even higher. And now everything's kind of flat. But I think I've talked to some title people today. They say that the market's starting to open up again. Well, because the prices news. of houses, I've noticed, are going down. A little bit. They've a got, little I, bit. You know, I, I thought the prices were actually were going to go down significantly when the interest rates went up. Because if you can only spend $3,000 a month. You know, right. if your mortgage is two thousand, you know, I mean, you know, you got you got less money you could spend and everything else. So, yeah, let's and hope, on top let's of that, you have rentals going up. Yeah. yeah. Well, the rentals. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ryan Payne, for all that you do. Again, you're the president, and chief investment officer of Payne Capital Management. Thank you for everything you do. My pleasure. Thanks for being here today. Be bullish. Thank you. Have all right. Bye-bye. So, you know what? We have a little bit of time. Let's, uh, Rudy Washington, give me a minute. What are you passionate about? What's what's uh, tearing at your heart right now? What are you? Uh... <sighs> well, there's a whole lot, Lydia. I don't even know if I want to get started on it. But um, one was, as you know, I've, I've been tracking um, the demolition or the destruction of our food processing plant um, and whether or not that was some act of bad actors, you know, terrorism. Um, I, we just talked about that with the illegal immigrants, that in fact, what you do have or, or could have a terrorist crossing the border. And at the same time, you know, I stopped counting that 30, and it's much higher now, the amount of, of food production plants that have caught fire. Just and, and I'm not talking about a little fire. I'm talking about the town having to be evacuated. The uh, one in California, the whole town had to... Yeah, move, move it does. Away. It does feel like America is under attack. Craig America Eaton, what are you attack. passionate about? Um, just wanting this economy and this world to turn around. I mean, look, we're we're in such a problem stage right now. The country is dysfunctional. Uh, the White House is dysfunctional. The judiciary—they're not prosecuting anything. I mean, now we just our state judge, our chief judge, Janet De Fiore, just announced that she's stepping down. Didn't give an explanation as to why. But, you know, that was good for us because on the New York State Court of Appeals, she was a Republican. She was a former DA and she was a Republican. So it was good. And I don't know what's going to happen now at the Court of Appeals. I'm a little bit concerned how the New York State Court of Appeals is going to go. And Hasty's already talking about he wants somebody progressive to take her place. John Katzmatidis, you're always passionate and full of fire. Well, I'm really concerned for our city, our state and our country and and it's going to come down to this November. Whom do you trust to vote for? Is it the people that lied to you before or what? And that's what it's going to come down to. But uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in. And uh, God bless America. And what do we stand for, Lydia? Truth, Truth justice, and, and the, the American, American way. way. God bless America. Thank you.